my favorite restaurants in the state of Maine uh, is Aragosta, which is up in uh, Deer Isle, uh, Goose Cove specifically, which is uh, northern Maine, kind of close to uh, Blue Hill. Uh, chef owner Devin Finnegan, uh, her first location was in Stonykin, and last year she uh, took on a very ambitious project and opened this this new restaurant slash it's almost like a resort. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, I would highly recommend it. Uh, this year she's doing all tasting menus. Uh, her food is delicious. Uh, and this is the kind of quintessential main experience for anybody uh, who's interested. Now, the one price of so much natural beauty is the uh, inevitable lack of quality when it comes to Wi-Fi and internet. So please bear with us. There's a couple uh, slight audio hiccups. Um, but, you know, we uh, we do our best. <laughs> given given what we can't control, isn't that right? So here is Devin Finnegan. Enjoy the episode. And welcome to the Food Coma Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7. Uh, today is our guest. We welcome chef and owner of Aragosta in Deer Isle, Maine, Devin Finnegan. Hey, how's it going, Hi. Hi. <laughs> it's hot. It is hot. Yeah, it's hot. I'm in the only, in the studio here, there's no AC. That's the one thing, AC doesn't seem to mix with recording, so you kind of get, uh, it's fine. I feel like I'm going to, you know, the endorphin rush from all the sweating will just uh, make me better at what I do anyway, you know? Totally. Yeah, it's been pretty even... hot in the kitchen, too. Yeah. And you have a you, know, you have a bigger kitchen than you used to. So now I met you back in 2014. I know, crazy. And you were at the initial uh, incarnation of Aragosta in Stonington, Maine. Yeah, the Main Street location. Yep. And... You last year basically, so you reopened. You opened this brand new spot in Deer Isle that I've had the privilege of staying at for two weekends now. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. If you come to Maine, you have to. This is like the new quintessential Maine restaurant destination. You just have to go. But I like your story about what it was when you found it because you basically, like, so, in less than a year, you demoed the place, right? And then yeah. rebuilt it. Uh huh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a quick process in getting there either. Uh, Stoning, so going back to that location, I feel like um, that kitchen was super hot and tiny, but the location itself was mega. But after the second year, you know, I was looking for something bigger. And with, um, you know, weddings are a huge thing. So we started, I started looking at Goose Cove just because it was kind of in shambles for many years. And yes, last, uh, well, January 18th, or no, January 10th of, 2019 we uh we got the keys and uh went right went to work the next day <laughs> yeah. so what was, did you what was there beforehand tell me about you told me a story about the bar and the restaurant that was there initially yeah well um i mean the place i mean the location is you know amazing gorgeous however it was just the it wasn't well kept up and when we the first walkthrough, there's, you know, carpet in the dining room. There was just trash. It's still food in the kitchen, you know, uh, in the drawers. It was nasty. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, things just needed to be just, we went through eight dumpsters, uh, like the big dumpsters, the huge ones in like a month. Just it, we just had to clear everything out and it was really dark. It was like a red log cabin inside and, 
like a 40 person huge bar with like fluorescent lights and just a cockatoo in the in the dining room but that wasn't there when I was there um so we just started ripping down walls and first thing we did was take a sledgehammer to the bar which I repurposed all the granite that was on the countertops and used it um I put in like a wall and made a waitress area where the espresso machine is um used it the granite there and then like in cottages um we're all through it now but uh uh, we realized like we had to move all electrical outside, do a, a whole new electric panel, fire system, plumbing. You know, none of that is fun. It eats a budget up quick. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> but it was really amazing to have um, uh, just the community kind of a part of it because I was, you know, I would post photos on sh- social media and I sourced all my local people um, that I could on the project. And, you know, just, you know, example of my dinner plates, I had a local lady, Missy Green, makes my, like some of the best chef, also is, is like an amazing potter, shows in the Smithsonian. Um, friend of mine, I had her make all my dishware, which is, you know, in February in Maine, to have a project like that is, it's like, okay, I'll make it through the winter, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the interesting thing is that almost every single fixture or feature in your restaurant seems to have a story or a person behind it. It's, there's nothing totally. about it that's just like, oh, that's just a door. Yeah, no, I <laughs> like, mean, okay, so it would start at, like, uh, you're turning onto Goose Cove Road, and there's the sign. So that sign, so the bracket is made by Farrell Rupert, a local blacksmith who made my other bracket and my foot rail and a handle at the bar. But then that sign, that wood sign, and there's two, that one, and then when you get to the entrance, is an oak tree that was literally cut down in our Brooklyn house before we sold it, milled by Farrell. And my husband carved out the sign. My girls primed the sign. Like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. Um, it's like, so, be sure to notice the sign now too, when you right? come to the restaurant. I know. I got to get a better light on it down there. But, um, yeah. So everything does. And I feel like, and it's just the beginning, which is exciting. Um, it's year two, right? Um, there's still, so the property itself is 21.9 acres. And there's about 10 acres that are just wooded up on the hill. So, I mean, I would love to, I just have a vision of, you know, I want to have tons of fruit trees and gardens and not like so many gardens because I want to, I love supporting my farmers and, you know, I'm not going to try to make a carrot taste like Elliot Coleman's. I'll just buy it from the legend yeah, itself. Which you, right? uh, you describe <laughs> his carrots as tasting like candy. Yeah, candy carrot. Yep. Um, and the, my, my two girls will, you know, go in the walk-in and the one thing they request is, can we have the carrot, mama? You know, <laughs> so that's, that's, hey, I can't. Hey, it's better than a Snickers bar, right? Right. They do like <laughs> the meringues in the kitchen that my pastry chef Liam gives them, but they come in demanding those too. <laughs> it would be strange if they didn't like those. It's funny because this all, I mean, everything about Aragosta, uh, I enjoy, but I really like how it almost, it basically, it's, I don't know the way I want to put it, it, it almost, it kind of lives off the land that surrounds it. You know, you grew up in Vermont, mm-hmm. uh, and you you had told me one time that you know, you just kind of assumed everybody milked their own cows, had farm fresh eggs, and made butter and ice cream from scratch. You were just like, that's the way of life for everybody because yeah. that's all you knew. But, I mean, I was raised. Point. Yeah, I mean, that's like kind of um, 
I mean, I grew up, you know, my mama milking the cow and, you know, us having those old ice cream churns that you'd put ice in, you know, you'd churn it with the cream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not saying I'm super old like that, but my mom had one. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, I wish you had this dish we had on this week, Joel. It was so pimping. It was a uh, seared main cod with a tidal broth. The tidal broth yeah, was. Tell me more about this. Yeah. So it has the kombu dashi. Uh, it had sugar kelp that we got from our scallop farm, uh, ponzu, um, uh, some soy and white soy. It was just delicious. And then you know we cook monte, add a little butter to it. But uh, it had a seaweed. Uh, so the cod, and then going to the land, um, I foraged some beach orac, which is like this little green plant that tastes like the ocean, and it kind of has these like iridescent like. It almost shimmers like the salt. That was on the cod with the tidal broth, and then we had a little seaweed salad of the sugar kelp and like mandolin cucumber from Four Season. Uh, something else. Oh, and then a little neck clam. It was beautiful. It was so tasty. It sounds delightful, and it's 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 amazing how many elements of that are you know how, how many elements of your entire menu come from right you know right there in Goose Cove or like within a mile. I mean, you have. You're working on your own oyster farm. You had the the scallop crudo last time, and that was from like right around the corner in the water, like the boats yeah. out there. Like, um, and my husband bringing in the lobsters, or my niece's boyfriend Lucas as well. So that's like so fun. Um, I just, I mean, so this is a funny. I mean, I've always sourced locally, but since I've been at Goose Cove, we, you know, pre-service, I'll send, you know, a waiter, one of my dish dishwashers. You know, the chefs were like hustling before service, so we don't get to go. Yeah foraging for the offering plates, but I give them, you know, when the, the wild blueberries are starting to come out, so I'm going to show, nice. I'll, I'll go on the first foraging with someone and say, this is what we're looking for. You know, we'll just say the wild blueberry, we'll clip it here. And I want to showcase, we have, uh, we just had one, well, when you were here, we had the, uh, the whelk. Um, and that's because, yes. so my husband brought those in from the, the traps. He was collecting them. We made them into fritters, but we, we wanted the shell on the plate. So people know what they're having. Uh, so, um, I just, I mean, as much as we can, so we were, I had my, uh, friend Bridget who is an herbalist and she's at the property just once a month, like maintaining the flowers. And she was here the other day and I asked, Hey Bridge, let's go for a quick walk. I want to, you know, cause she just is like, you know, she, she knows what's to eat. And so we just walked out the front door entrance at the restaurant and just headed to the beach. And from there to the beach, I made a list of like, five, like eight things. Beach Olrak was on that, so that's why that made yeah. that dish. So now nice. the mussels um, for brunch and lunch were using the bayberry, you know, all the bushes that grow along the ocean here. So mm -hmm. we were using bay leaf. Well, those cost me money. These are here. We'll snip them. We're, like, putting them in the white wine and the um, the herbs. And, yeah, so, so fun. Um, we had sea rocket down there. So this week we had we made a duck sausage and incorporated the sea rocket which is like a wild mustard that's going to um, seed, and it's like a little pod that's spicy. And so that was in the duck sausage this week uh, with, with foraged stolen cherries from a cherry tree in Stonington that <laughs> Allison helped go pick, and they're beautiful. It has so that to be was an element of dish. danger, you know? Right. But I would like when the waitstaff was like picking up the dish, they're like stolen cherry sauce. I'm like, yes, but we're not saying that to the customer, right? <laughs> like, let's let's make. Why it. not? <laughs> but um, they yeah, can't I, prove the cherries came from their right? tree. Uh, so 
yeah, it's really, it's, it's an amazing thing. Like the salt that I worked all summer, all winter long, like I would go down with my girls and get a bucket of salt water and a five gallon bucket and then just cook it down all winter long, which was awesome because no one got sick. We were just like, I had a humidifier the whole winter of yeah, salt water yeah. food. <laughs> That's... We were, so, and now I have, I didn't think this spring that I was concerned that I didn't make enough salt, but we've only gone through like a little mason jar of salt. So I feel like we're, we're doing good on salt consumption. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not, so salt's not, it's not going to go bad. No. So no. <laughs> keep doing it up. And it's funny, all of this, and, and, and you thought you were going to be a photographer. Yeah, dude. What is up with that? I mean, <laughs> you... yeah, I, I must say, though, I grew up, my dad's a chef, so I was the one out of my sisters that, were, I, you know, food was always in our household. Everything was always made, you know, and I just thought that was normal. Um, mm-hmm. But then I started working in the restaurant, and I, even in college, I found myself working in a restaurant. Um so, and I have always loved to entertain. And even on my days off, you know, I'm still like, I have barbecues and I just, and like last night we had a beach barbecue with fresh tuna. We just got in, dude, a 30 pound tuna. Uh, amazing. <laughs> oh, th- 300. Did I say 30? I said 300 pounds. Well, 30, you know, so. Yeah. We'll just, but... I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really make the connection, but I was just taking um, your word for it. It was a huge, huge tuna. Um, but any, I just love, I just love to feed people and make people, I mean, that's why I have a restaurant. that's why I said to her last night, I said, you know, it makes me happy to feed and just entertain. That's like, I, I get joy of that. And I think it's, it's interesting because when you're dining at, or, and staying at Aragosta, which has not only suites, but also, uh, cabins, uh, you get that feeling from everybody there that everybody is equally happy I'm excited to be there. I don't feel like somebody with an attitude would last long no. with that crew. No. And we all have a good time. You know, we're all working hard. We're all sweating. Yeah. We're all, you know, but we're all enjoying each other's company and enjoying right. the the big picture. And that's, you know, people were, as people who live here, we're so fortunate to live where we live. So let's yeah. let, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> let's let, um, you know, other people come and experience it too. What's this, uni? Yeah. Matt just gave me a spoonful of uni. I mean, there's worse things to be given a spoonful of. The only thing you need now is one of Dan's Catalina Breezes. I do need a Catalina Breeze. I, <laughs> I am I am enjoying a uh, Bloody Mary. Oh, good. Fermented Perfect. Bloody Mary. I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to start no. yet, uh, so I, I didn't yet. But if I had access to the, well. um, was it raspberry <laughs> mint shrub and some hard short raspberry. gin and some club soda... I would have a Catalina Breeze in hand right now. That was sort of like when I was up there last. It didn't matter what time of morning it was. It was just always cocktail time. Yeah. I mean, it's my day off today, so it's cocktail time for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> dude, I um, it's pretty easy to enjoy a cocktail anywhere on the property, right? Uh, on the deck <laughs> inside. Yeah. I mean, go out uh, in the woods. <laughs> Whatever. Dude, you know? my, one of my chefs this year, it was our first day of service. So first day doing, uh, getting ready to do the first tasting menu of the season. And we're like, I'm, I, I go, Allie, we don't have enough moss in the kitchen. We need more rocks. And she uh. turns to me. She's been working for me for seven years she goes never in my cooking career would i think i'd be going and searching for moss and rocks like okay dev i'll be right back yeah <laughs> just... hey, we need moss and rocks for the yeah. customers to uh, to uh, accidentally bite into the rocks and eat the moss <laughs> well, on the yeah. one plate Jesus. that's the uh inedible garnish that seems obvious and it's very pretty no. but you just never i, I used no. to work 
at uh, Miyake in in oh, Portland, cool. and uh, well, I worked there for a long time. And, and we had a dish that was actually also like like poached whelks that we would serve back in the shell with like a like a pick, you know, to get them out. And they were served on top of like a, a like a mound of like rock salt. Mm. And I'll never forget going back to a table to check on them. And I was like, how is the, you know, how are the whelks? And they're like, they're a little salty. And they had just taken them and turned them over into basically like a cup of salt. <laughs> oh my and God. just mixed them all through this like salt. And I'm just like, yeah. Did you, is that what I think it is right there that you've gone and done? Like, well, we were putting the moss on the offerings plate because I wanted it to be a reflection of the landscape. But then somebody literally took a bite out of the moss. So then. Yeah, I, I heard. Took, I heard I about took that. Off. <laughs> Now it is under the orchard. This moss is terrible. <laughs> the lady was pretty funny. Sorry, Maxwell. You're like, ma'am, it's lichen. Yeah, it is lichen. Uh, but anywho, it's, yeah, so the reflection of the landscape where we are, because it's so special. Yeah, and you actually ended up there because you, um, you, your sister was taking art classes in Stonington back in the day. That's how you ended up in Maine. While yeah, you were in Stonington... He's... You met uh, your husband, but you you also met uh, you met TK. Uh, yeah, I, Tom, <laughs> you met Thomas Keller at an event up there. Yeah, at a private dinner. Uh, yeah. And you convinced and him sous, to. He well, his sous chef Michael. They were he was the chef, uh, de cuisine from Per Se, and he was with TK, Thomas Keller, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I like totally was just assisting Michael at the event and contact. He was pretty busy smooching with everyone. Um, but he was, you know, intense, right? It's TK. Um, yeah. And got to prep with him at the elementary school and stuff. And uh, it was just special to see him like in a different element. And uh, so I, I just contacted Michael and that was a long time ago. That was when I was like 24. Uh, yeah. and you went and, into the stage. Yeah, and it was intense, dude. Um, it like it. I had never been inside a like Michelin star restaurant um, before, and uh, but it was cool to know Michael and had seen him and like hung out in Maine. So I like had this connection of like a different comfort or whatever. And um, so I was there for. Just I was there for two weeks at per se, and it was mm -hmm. you know those days are long. It was like when I first yeah. was like wow these chefs work a lot, and uh, um, and they said the lobster had never been picked so nice. I was like okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and those chefs don't get to just go walk out on the beach, you know. Yeah. They get to, they're stuck in the middle of the city yeah. after a long um, day, you know. I know dream of this landscape. They dream of the location that I have. And I, you know, that never, I, they never, I never forget about that. I, any of that, I'm so fortunate to be able to be where I am and have the ingredients that I do and the staff that I do. And, you know, I'll raise my children's there, my two little girls to be able to know, because as a working mama, and especially in this industry, it's a long day and a long night, you know? Um, so, to be able to have them know where I am at all times, and you know if they need to come see me or whatever, I, Mama is there, so I like that. Makes well, me plus having them know the business is like yeah. makes you a more well-rounded person as well. Totally, I um, 
I can't wait till they're a little older. I mean, give them two years. They'll be in the dish station yeah. or up in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, whether, whether they like it or not, <laughs> that's what they're doing. <laughs> no one rides for free anymore. Because I've always wanted to deviate a little bit from the excessive wine consumption and make a few cocktails on the show, uh, I've enlisted the help of my friend Leah Paracci, who is a very talented bartender, and the opportunity presented itself. So when our new sponsor came to us, uh, Stroud Water Distilling, uh, they're located out in Thompson's Points uh, in Portland, Maine. That's where their tasting room is. Uh, they do a range of products, but when they approached me about featuring their uh, Belfry uh, double-barreled bourbon whiskey, uh, all I could think of with this kind of heat is to make a julep. I mean julep, because, you know, why wouldn't we, right? Indeed, and yeah. it's delectable. Yeah, so the deal with this bourbon is that um, Bissell Brothers, who are also friends of the show, uh, they're next door to the tasting room at Stroudwater. So Bissell Brothers uses their bourbon barrels to age their beer at Christmas time called Angels with Filthy Souls, uh, named after the movie uh, in Home Alone that Macaulay Culkin is watching when he uh, freaks out the pizza guy and then subsequently the <laughs> wet bandits. Uh, so that is kind of, that was kind of the basis. And then these barrels come back and then they age this whiskey uh, for, for eight months in those barrels. And you just get this really nice, I mean, it's like a... Almost like a mapley. Um, it's, it's definitely on the sweeter side, a little bit of vanilla. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a, a richer style bourbon, good sipping bourbon. But I thought with the heat that uh, we would fire up some of the classic uh, silver cups. So when I used to live in the Boston area, there was a bar I used to go to in, in the Somerville called Back Bar, uh, where Melinda and company would make these manjuleps that would absolutely blow my mind. And actually, I consulted with her. Uh, for the for the kind of method on this, which is you have to have the silver cup, and Got then you it. get crushed ice, bourbon, you make a uh, demure sugar, so it's like a, a darker simple syrup, or a, a demure syrup, so a darker simple syrup, and then you you kind of oh, like a snow cone, you kind of top it with uh, Angostura bitters, and then you put a whole bunch of mint in it. So when you put your face in it, all you can <laughs> smell is mint, while you taste bourbon. And it's an adult snow cone. I really like that reference. It is, right? Mm -hmm. And it's yep. actually nicer once it's had a second here to kind of sit when it's mm -hmm. everything come together when you aren't just getting a sip of simple or... See, I like going without the straw with this. It's traditional to use the metal straw. Mm -hmm. I'm not much of a straw guy. I'm going to go ahead and tell you a lot of guys aren't. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know what Well, it plus is. metal straws are more frustrating. So if I do have to have a straw in a drink, I take it and I like bend it over as oh, I'm yeah. sipping it. Oh, yeah. And I can't bend this metal straw. No, you cannot. Or you can try to like show feats of strength and, you know, just really get into I it and get that after that it. that sounds but... like I'm going to hurt myself. I don't think that sounds good. I think I'm going to knock my big bunch of mint out. <laughs> your big bunch of mint. Got to keep it in there. Mm. It's your bouquet, you. honey. It's your bouquet. I told you. I'm like, I'm not really going to be drinking today, but I am going to have a little bit of this. Yeah, I'm not so. going to be drinking much, but I need more bourbon in my, my, my chula. I mean, the cups, like, you know, these cups are not like Joe Riccio They're size like symbols to you. Vessels. I mean, really, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the bourbon is delicious. I can highly recommend it. We're going to be making more cocktails on the show, on different shows, uh, with this Belfry uh, bourbon, uh, including their own sort of filthy angel halo style i'll get into it later yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm sure it will be delicious but uh <laughs> i thought it'd be great to to start 
with the julep. But yeah, check them out. Strongwater Distillery. All their products are great. But this is the Belfry uh, Double Barrel Bourbon Whiskey. And uh, yeah, get a bunch of men. doesn't have to be the Kentucky Derby. No. Nope. Let it happen. Yep. And if you'd like the recipe for the mint julep, uh, it will be on the uh, on foodcomapodcast.com. Uh, I'll have a, a photo of it there with the know-how, plus some information on, on Stroudwater and Belfry. So basically everything we just talked about will be accessible to you, the listener, so you can have your own mint julep party and get a fancy hat or whatever it is they do. Yes. After you worked at uh, Per Se, it's funny, the, the, this day and age, like so many people would be like, yeah, I went and did a two-week stage at Per Se, so now I'm an executive chef and I'm opening my own restaurant and, uh, you know, everything is done. But you went, actually worked with Dan Barber for three years learning yep. charcuterie. Yep. Uh, went to the city to um, end Stone Barns and went to Stone Barns specifically to work with Chef Andy, who is his in charge of the charcuterie program there. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I mean, that whole, like, property, the you farm, like. it's amazing. Have you been there, Joe? No, I haven't. Oh, my gosh, you got to go. Me. Oh, yeah. goodness. Um, Terrytown, uh, so beautiful. Um, but it's just unreal. They're, they have a whole separate kitchen that's the catering kitchen and their charcuterie kitchen where it's they have a huge, massive, climate-controlled, you know, curing room. And this whole production line, and Chef Andy was so sweet. And so, I mean, you can tell it's his passion. And they had um, their, like, cellar that was, like, carved into the mountainside where the, like, high-end <laughs> bottles of wine and their, like, everything for shoeing, uh, aging. Um, it was, I didn't get to go in there. I saw it inside, but I don't know. The, <laughs> the sacred temple. <laughs> Seriously. But they always have something smoking and... Um, and just Dan Barber with his ideas, he's, he's, you know, a culinary genius. It's really, it was, we went to, um, I remember they would do field trips with all the chefs and we went on one where it was in upstate New York to this farmed venison farm. Mm -hmm. So there were all these wild deer and, uh, the farmers were so sweet and it was so for me, I mean, it was so amazing, but to see the other chefs that you know, maybe these guys have been living in the city their whole lives. This was like a big deal to like go or, you know, who knows, but it was really amazing. I mean, I'm a country girl, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, and then to, to come back and then to see that, that, you know, honor that animal on the plate is so special. And so that was, Dan really opened my eyes to that. And just to use um, all the ingredient. I remember one of the first days in the city, they were like, all right, we have all these kale stocks. We're making this kale risotto. And it, I just thought it was the coolest thing, you know, to just be able to, you know, trim down the stock and cut it in a certain way to resemble uh, arborio rice. And just being creative, taking things to the next element, doing uh, taking kale. So now you have like kale stock ris- or the little risotto, full risotto, and then they had this whole process of now it seems like this is like so easy to do and everyone's doing it. But years ago, you know, like, I don't even know, 10 years ago, this was new age stuff like kale chips and, um, foams and, or I don't even know, but it was just really, um, really, uh, fun to watch. And at the city at blue Hill, it was when chef Trevor was there. They got nominated for the beard and won. I was so stoked for them. He doesn't yes. work there anymore, but when he did, I was so they were such a awesome crew. 
they had a rooftop garden and I remember, you know, sending them seeds after I left for Chef Trevor because I was talking to him about like borage and like cool like flowers that I knew that were edible and he's like I don't know what those are like and so I just sent him this care package of black Dinah chocolates because <laughs> I like they're the best and yeah, um, and I sent him to the kitchen and a whole seed thing of seeds for them and uh, yeah and the my when I was just out at single thread out in Hillsburg a couple years ago which was eye-opening for me that's where I was introduced to the wood-burning hearth and the Japanese, you know, flavors where it's not all about butter. It's, you know, to balance that with all this, this dashi and um, umami. umami. Yeah, it was so awesome. And Chef Kyle, I mean, this is a three-star Michelin restaurant. He was the most humble, grounded man ever. And it was so enlightening to see because it can be intense in some of those places. Um you know, there's no reason that people should be crying, right? In the kitchen. Right. Like, come on. Well, exactly. It's just, it's very dated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the making people cry in the kitchen thing. Um, now, you learned a lot about, from uh, as far as the charcuterie, uh, things about like selection as far as with the different animals and yeah. selecting which to use for what, um, which it, is really interesting to me. Totally. And my, um, so we have been raising pigs for the last couple of years and, um, we'll send them off and we'll get them back whole. And my friend, Sarah, who's a butcher, she also, her and her husband own Fine Line Farm down in Searsmont. Um, we, she helps butcher them because she used to work in the city. Uh, so it's nice to have someone who is a complete pro at that. And I bet I was pretty into this spring, the koji, adding koji. Like I would do mm -hmm. curing of duck and add koji or aged steaks and do that. Um, yeah. Very cool. I have two prosciutto legs hanging in the wine room, but that's a hush hush. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we won't, you know. <laughs> Nobody, n none of those people are going to listen to this and be yeah, like, you just... know what? <laughs> we have to, we have to drive four hours and go check and see if she was. How's your uni? Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah, I, I absolutely adore sea urchin, and that's one of the best things about living in Maine. Is our sea urchin is incredible. It's Matt put a little best. of the shelling peas, the fresh shelling peas on top. So yummy, Matt. Mm. Dude. Yeah, you get you get fed during the interview. That's that's great. I know. I anybody feeding me? <laughs> <laughs> that's what's missing here. I wish I I wish I was just there. You know. I know. That's... I wish you were right here too, Joe. <laughs> My life was uh, so much better last weekend, but <laughs> you know, back to this yes. bullshit again. I guess. Um, I always thought it was funny. Uh, back when I had come to your old restaurant, and uh, you know, I was thinking about. Talking about all the farms in, in Blue Hill and that, in that area and how there's just so much great, you know, produce. But there was a server who was working at uh, uh, Five Pounds of Dirt Farm. Uh, that's what they yeah. called it, apparently, because they say that you aren't actually a farmer unless you've ingested five pounds of dirt. Totally. Well, that's Sarah. They had they changed their yeah. name once they got their farm. So they, when they lived on the island, they were here in Doral for two years and they were like using people's property that they could farm. So they had like multiple little plots all around the island, which is like so cool. Yeah. And uh, now, and then when that was the last year, that was the first and only year that Sarah worked for me as a waitress. Um, and it was so funny because, you know, Sarah's, you know, she's coming from a butcher shop. She's like, yeah, waitress, sure. Um, and, uh, and then they, I remember helping, like I would, I helped sign 
something through the Farmers Association. So they got a grant and got their farm or whatever. Um, and now it's Fine Line Farm. They're great people. But uh, yeah, five pounds of dirt. <laughs> that's the that's the rule. I know. Um, I really love the story of how the how the original Aragosta came to be, where you had kind of been on the hunt for a, a space, couldn't find one, decided to go to Spain to work with uh, Chef Macarena de Castro in, in Mallorca, right? That's where her restaurant yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. So you were gonna go there, and then you randomly so right yeah before. Something happened. <laughs> yeah, so I'm at the Boston airport, and I'm standing in the Starbucks line, and I'm just, I don't know, I'm a friendly person, and I just was, <laughs> I don't know, I'm, but anywho, my, this gentleman was in front of me, and we ended up starting to chit-chat, and somehow we started talking about where we were going, and I was saying, well, I'm headed from Maine, going to Spain, and he's like, oh, I'm actually headed to Maine right now, and... <laughs> I said, oh, really, where? And he said, Stonington. I was like, what? That's where I live. What are you doing in Stonington? And he's like, well, I own a property there. I'm going to put it up. You know, I own a property and it has a restaurant. I'm going to put it in the newspaper. And I was like, well, where? <laughs> what? And so this was my future landlord, Rudy. And I just started talking to him. We sat down. We, you know, we had both had time in between flights to chat. And that was like, that was it. And, and we, we talked and I pretty much you know was like well i'm literally heading to spain so um and he said when you get back let's let's give you a tour i literally got back from spain did the tour signed the lease four weeks later i'm open insane <laughs> and luckily he had like plates in his like china that i could use in his storage room and um and the space he had just had it all freshly painted and that space is so special it's in you know the Upper part sat 36, and the kitchen was downstairs. For my first spot with that waterfront deck, it was I was so psyched. And um, it was a huge deck too. It, yeah, it was. Um, not as big as the nude. Not as big as your deck now. <laughs> yeah, <I did. laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that was just you know what they say like the right place at the right time. You know, I felt like that was definitely one of those times with Rudy in the Boston airport. Yeah. So it was uh, when Starbucks. I was in Spain, I was talking. Yeah, at Starbucks. Who knew? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, oops, sorry, Matt. Oh, tuna. Dude, sorry, Joe. Matt keeps feeding What's, me. What course are we having now? <laughs> this is course two. Okay, so and what is this? It is the bluefin tuna that we just got in. What's this in the, Is that in Ponzu. sauce? In Ponzu. Oh. Joe. Keep it. You have to keep it simple. You gotta. You gotta respect the fresh tuna. You don't want to fuck around too much. You don't want to fuck around with it. Is right. And guess what's showcased on the menu this week? Tuna. Tuna. <laughs> <laughs> no Sorry, shit. No. <laughs> I uh, yeah. It's the the tasting menu that you're running. Uh, so this year is is different uh, for Aragosta. You have in the past been always a la carte. Right. Uh, and this year you have gone kind of tasting menu only for dinner. And it's an incredible progression. I think it's very accessible for people who are both way into food and fine dining or are just looking for like a new experience. Um, Matt, who's feeding you, obviously, you know, kills it with the wine. <laughs> um, you know, I think that the, the, you know, the pairings are always spot on. So it must be heartening for you in this first season to see people responding to it it's amazing really well. i was well so it, it's crazy you know in thank you mm -hmm. in um uh 
I think it was before COVID happened. It, I don't know when COVID really struck, but January like or Mar- November. But March anything. is when it really. So it was like January. Really I was my girls were at their little Montessori school, and I was like in the kitchen or in the dining room because it was freezing. It wasn't heated, but I would go down there and just you know play the music and dance around. And I one day I took like forty chairs out pre-COVID, and I was like, this is like, I didn't I didn't know if I could go to the Tasty Menu this year. It's always been in the horizon, because I think yeah. it's just so special. Um, so I took those chairs out, and then COVID happened, and then I had to take more chairs out, and I said, well, you know what? We have to go reservation only. I'm just going to do it, so if people, people are going to want to come out. They're going to come and experience what I wanted to offer um, for years. And so... We adjusted and, you know, and it's amazing. I love it. And, you know, we accommodate. I mean, of course, people who are allergic or, you know, vegetarians or pescatarians or vegans or, you know, people who, you know, don't want duck that night, you know, will sub. I mean, we're here to do, we're, we're here to accommodate, right? Yeah. And so. What I liked is the, the night that, uh, the first night that I dined there recently, uh, the vegetarian substitution for the steak was actually more decadent than the steak. It was that stuffed, stuffed fried zucchini blossom, oh, yeah, stuffed yeah. with crab and mascarpone, and then had the uh, miso sauce under. So I guess not full veget pescatarian. Uh, you don't eat meat, but it was uh, absolutely insanely right. delicious. I could eat it every day. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And like, I mean, we do like for vegans. You know, we'll get the farm leek and braise it in white wine and sear it. I mean, it's. We want to accommodate and have it just equally the same, so uh, which is great. And I like throwing in some surprises. You know, we always have had sorbet, even in Stonington, and to not list that on the menu, people are like, oh, what's this? And so things like just fun things like the offerings. Um, I, uh, I enjoy, I just want, I want it, I want people to be just, wowed when they come and dine with us and you know those snap peas they're snap peas right yeah the sugar snap yeah those are those are beyond for somebody who like as i say i've said many times the only food i dislike uh is frozen peas english peas um also i don't like natto beans either Uh, do you like natto i don't think i've had those it's the it's the uh fermented soybean uh it's a japanese thing it's not so much the flavor of them. They sort of taste like baked beans to me, but it's like they have this really snotty texture mm. where literally, like, it goes like from your mouth to the fork, oh. you know. And Masa, Masa, Masa Miyaki, when I worked for him, uh, for, I worked for him for a long time. I worked at Miyaki, then I helped open Paiman, the noodle shop. Oh. And, uh, yeah, and so... And this is in his old location on Spring Street in Portland. And, you know, we used to go to New York City to, you know, he would show us all these different ramen places for kind of, you know, to see what he was going for. But he had a sense of humor where, you know, he, like, one of my favorite things is the, uh, you know, the uh, tomago, the, the Japanese omelet. Yes. You know, uh, it's, and he, his was, like, absolutely insane. Uh, and then he's the kind of person, he, like, my birthday one year, he made me a birthday cake out of it. And then he covered it with natto beans oh. and like and the, and that like mince daikon, which I'm like, daikon. I'm kind of I, I think I like it, but sometimes like the aroma of it, you start it just doesn't you know if you smell it enough, you're yeah, kind of yeah. like I don't know about daikon right. anymore. Yeah. That's so like, he but he he enjoyed. It. There were candles in it, and it was like Happy Birthday, Joe San. 
uh, written on it <laughs> in something. But yeah, covered in things I don't like. Uh, just so he could watch me struggle to eat it. I love it. I ate so the goddamn funny. thing. Did like, you eat my it? My birthday. Oh yeah, I mean my birthday <laughs> cake. I'm eating it. I was like, did you guys I, I, eat listen. a lot of tofu? Um, we didn't actually do a lot of tofu. We did do cod sperm, oh. which has a, a tofu. It's a shirako. Uh, it has like a tofu like texture to it when you when you fry it. Huh? I don't know if you ever had it. I've never had it. Cod We'd always give it to people and not tell them what it was, and then tell them after because you know. Wow. How do you even know where to get that on the fish? Uh, the sperm? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I guess it would be like the sperm sacks. Sack. Does fish have sacks? I don't even know how. I don't know how they. I don't think they jerk off the fish or anything. I think that they. I'm not sure exactly where they get it. Japanese people. They're very crafty, you know? Jeez. I do want to go to Japan, though. I would love to go there. Yeah, you spent a lot of time in Italy, right? Yeah, I love Italy. It's so beautiful. I mean, anywhere across the pond is pretty amazing. I, yeah. I, any place that's not here sometimes, yeah. you know. Um, but really, just Italy has a special place always in my heart. Um, I started going there on cooking tours and coming as one of the chefs. I, I was in charge of like cooking breakfast for the group in the morning, and mm -hmm. uh, then in turn got to go on the trip. And I'm like, okay, I mean, breakfast. Pretty okay. I'll like yeah, harvest I'll, I'll... these greens on this, you know, Olive Garden Grove and get the yeah, like European breakfast. Just like it's like cured meat and yeah. cheese and oh, bread and like whatever. I was like, yeah, okay. but I did that for like for like seven years. I was going over, um, and it was the best because you would go at Olive Harvest time and go and like get to go and do these private little cooking classes and these little you know tutorials and. Um, yeah, I love Were you it. all over the country or more specifically one region? Uh, we would, we, this was, we would, had a house in Castellina and Chianti. It was called yep. Tremonti, which is sunset in Italian. Yep. Out this little road. Yeah. You know Tremonti? Oh, it's a wine as well, right? The, yeah. Well, Mark the, and the, Kyle, yeah, who used to have a yeah. wine shop here. Yeah. The clown. The clown, yep. So they, and it was in Stonington. That's right. I yeah, forgot. Yeah. And it was their house that uh, the chef Jonathan, I used to go with, um, and it was so fun. And I just love the simplicity of Italian cuisine. You know, they just, that they have it, everything is, tastes so, like, delicious and pure there. And they don't try to, like this tuna, we don't want to fuck it up, right? It's just so simple no. and beautiful. And yeah. I love that. And I love how old everything is. And, like, just, you know, going into the little villages, like Greve and Luca and just... Oh, it's like I I've been to Luca. Luca is with yeah. the walls. It's yeah. It's one of the most beautiful cities I've ever ever been to. And who's the uh the famous that's uh, Puccini, I think, is from Luca. I think there's yeah. like a, yep. a a statue of him right in the middle of the city there. Yep. Uh, near and his house. It's like uh, yeah, it's just that the history is so yeah. incredible. And Did you so go to I the wine shop with that's like it goes down like three levels, it's like a dungeon? But it's, in, it's, it's like the most insane wine shop. It's in Luca, yeah. It's one of the most insane wine shops you'll ever go to in your entire oh, life. Oh, shit. Yeah. I did buy a really nice purse in Luca. Nice. <laughs> I know. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's – so I went to Italy a couple years ago. I hadn't – and then I had started had, having babies. And so, like, I hadn't gone anywhere for a long time because I was being a mama. I still am. Um, but I, this couple years ago uh, – I went to Italy with Melissa, who's one of the owners of 44 North, and we had a great time, dude. We rented <laughs> we rented a little car and zipped around and didn't really have an agenda, and it was so fun. 
I lo- we had a great time. I I don't I want to go to Greece this year. I've never been to Greece, and I'm I'm half Greek, so I'm Irish and Greek. I've spent uh, time in a lot. Actually, all all in two weeks, I I went from like the the Bulgarian border to Santorini. I was uh, working in the wine business at the time, so we were visiting all the wineries that we were representing. So oh. it was this like crash, like this just like crazy two weeks, see the entire country kind of thing. Uh, Greece is wonderful. And also Tom Hanks is now a citizen of Greece. I don't know if you saw really? that. He and his wife are now official Greek citizens. Huh. I don't that, know. Huh. Can Tom send me how to do that? The link yeah. over, right? <laughs> they love it there. You know, if you're Tom Hanks and you love it somewhere, they're like, well, why don't you just, you know, here's a passport. Here's a passport. Come on over. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, they're, they're way into it. But yeah, I can highly recommend going to Greece and obviously, you know, Italy. I mean, I would like to go experience i my experience was also in, in tuscany when i went we went to i'd like to go to the south yeah i want to go to like sicily so in melissa Calabria and i and... yeah sardinia dude yeah. i actually oh, want to rent is, a boat yeah. and go the mediterranean and go into ports by boats that'd be pimping um but oh cinque Terre, that was amazing um yeah, so we went there and we went to this one winery that was called um uh, Poggi la Noche, which is the Hill of the Walnut. And it was a very, um, so it was built into the hillside. It was very modern. Uh, this couple, um, you know, in Italy, you can't just, you know, build. Things are, you know, it's they just don't allow that. So it, they don't want the landscape in any way uh, jeopardized with the look and uh, just the culture. And so they bought this old winery and wanted to redo it. So had to build into the hillside to make that happen. And it, they were so lovely. He was from Sicily and she was actually from, uh, I think England. They met in California. They both worked for Google, uh, huh. retired after five years and built this winery. I was like, shit, I'm in the wrong profession. <laughs> yeah. You said a photography. She just started with Google. Right. Right. Uh, for. They, and they, um, it goes to squash blossoms because they like went out and like harvested squash blossoms. And uh, I forget the gentleman's name, but he loved food. And they had this little beautiful bar, little bar top. And that they would like, he like just cooked this coarse meal for me when he heard I was a chef visiting. And it was so awesome. And he did this amazing tempura fried squash blossom with a drizzle of their like first of the season oil. Amazing. I just, ugh. Love it. That so simple, so, so simple. delicious, and definitely known for their uh, their white wines there in Liguria. Yes. Yeah, totally. Um, I was trying to remember. I, uh, I there was something that they had. I don't know. I can't remember this one. Um, one wine. That was. Uh, it was like their dessert wine. It was just so at that winery. Um, but to go from like there to you know a winery that was like fourteen hundred, you know this like amazing, mm. just go to the dungeons and eat some yeah. meat and you know just you wonder what went on down there. <laughs> um, but really, yeah, love Italy. And I actually um, a couple of my employees for years they have a summer home here. Their dad is American and they live in Umbria, and that's mm. where Matthew spent a lot of time doing some wine stuff this past year. And th- these girls work for me every summer, you know. And they're just so lovely to have and work so hard and just, yeah. So I love Italy. That's kind of the life. I always wanted to, 
The one thing I didn't do in my restaurant career, my illustrious restaurant career before I retired, uh, I always wanted to be one of those servers who like worked half the year someplace warm and then half, you know, like somebody who's like, oh, I do the Hamptons one half and then I do like whatever the totally. equivalent of that is someplace else. And you just like, you don't have to like, you, you can kind of like pack light, you know, you yeah. don't have to start accumulate stuff. You just yeah. kind of accumulate experiences and, totally. and it's just, you know, then you're out of there. Like yeah. the minute you start getting tired of it, you're gone. Right. And that's like the thing with the culinary for me as a chef, I just, you know, I will never stop learning. I feel like the day that I want to stop learning, I should probably just retire. I just want to keep yeah. going and go to Greece and see, I don't know, go there for one certain thing, see what the cockle clams are or something, you know, see how they do it. And if I, you know, take my girls with me and see and be inspired and, you know, that I guarantee doing that, that coming season, my, the guests that come and dine with me, they will rep be, be able to enjoy a representation of one of my journeys from previous yeah. months. And that's so cool. Yeah. It's like an autobiographical menu. Yeah. <laughs> which is cool. And yeah. I can tell you that in Greece, that's just, they use everything. And they use really, really, really good olive oil and like lemons picked right from the tree. And then just whatever it is. Like growing around everywhere. What's that? Like capers aren't like capers just growing everywhere in Greece, I, I think. Yeah. Mm. And I'll, I'll, I don't know. I'm sure. I mean, that's the kind of flavor profile of a lot of the food. Yeah. But speaking of running around, I remember I was in Cephalonia and there were running around like, like as if they were squirrels in like Deering Oak Park, there were peacocks just, just kicking it, just running around everywhere like <laughs> wild peacocks. Wow. Oh, they're so beautiful. I want a peacock. They are. You need a peacock on property. Right? I think that's what you guys uh, need. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it would die. I don't know. But I feel like Benito, the our like half feral cat that's my niece's that wolves <laughs> the property will be like. He'll I even, saw that cat. Yeah, you did. It's a big cat. He's a big cat, and he greets everyone. I, I think this past week, during, in between seatings, I went to use the restroom, and there was a guest photo taking photos of Benito. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> this cat, dude. It's part of the experience. Yeah, right? And the cat knows. He, you know, the cat. He puts on his little mistake. top hat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and gets it, smokes a pipe and, you know, a little Sherlock Holmes look. It knows. It, yeah. Um, um, did you see the greenhouse when you were there? I saw the greenhouse. I did not go inside the greenhouse. That was one of the things that prompted me to say, you know, I'm watching the evolution of this new space and just how limitless your possibilities are. Oh. And I'm seeing all these things. And so I saw, when I saw the greenhouse, I'm like, well, that's the logical next step. Yep. It's going to be the next step. And that's exciting. It has a Mr. Joe. I, especially on these Ooh. half days, I go, I turn the mister on with my jacket, get a little like a steam room. Well, just like, yeah, it like sprays the water. Oh, like at Hannaford with the with the vegetables. Yeah, in your... and it's above. It's pretty amazing. But uh, we already have micros. We planted them on Friday, and I'll be able to use them on Thursday. It's so, they're like, wow. it's hot in there and steam. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's a... exciting. I yeah, I definitely noticed the 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 greenhouse. Uh, I think it was when I like, I like when you get your, how many lobsters do you go through? So basically you have this, you have a dish that is the, uh, the pasta has not always been cosincelli. It's changed shapes once or it twice. It was the right? ravioli. Yes. And yeah. that, this dish actually, it's so, it's, I've been doing this for, for like 15 years. I started it yeah. for a catering job that Elliot Coleman, Barbara Damrosh, it was with Sherry Suter and John Wilson. They own Wooden Boat. 
Um, and I was going to their house for a party and they wanted a lobster dish. And I was like, well, I'll make a lobster pasta. And then I went there with this pasta. And then I was like, shit, what am I going to do for a sauce? And I had with me lemon and shallots and white wine and cream. And I was like, here we go. And that's where, that's where that dish happened. And um, in Stonington, we did the lobster ravioli for four years. And then I changed it to the tortellini. The fillings always stayed the same. And then uh, when our last year in Stonington, I was like watching some YouTube video of these old um, Italian grandmothers making pasta one night when I was like trying to, you know, get ready to go to sleep. And this lady was in this fold of the Casancelli and it was it was so quick and as a boss and like just say you know having employees you always want to think of like ways to decrease their hours right to an extent yeah. and um so I was like here we go and it really speeds up the production of the pasta and it's a I mean and not a lot of people know I mean it's like it's a just a filled pasta but the Casancelli so it's just a quick like fold over tamp and that's it and um yeah. so people love that and that will always be on the tasting menu. That'll stay. And, um, you know, when I do private parties, I guarantee, and weddings, the, someone will always request the lo lobster ravioli, which is fine. Why wouldn't they? You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I like when your shipment of lobsters comes in. Yeah. And you're like, oh, can't talk. Got to go deal with, like, my thousands of lobsters. I know. That are, you know. Yeah, we go through quite a bit. Um, it's Now with the tasting menu, it's toned down. But we're easily going through at least 400 pounds a week. Uh I'd say like 300 pounds. Last year we were going through like 650. It was insane. But we're actually going to up the quantity of lobster this week. So I have my husband bringing in lobster and Lucas. Um, I always had bought from the co-op before, but now Luke has a lobster license. And so yep. he rows in with it and, you know, it's right there. <laughs> and he's hand selecting the, the whole lobsters that we'll use on the deck for lunch and brunch. So he's, you know... He cares about the quality of them, you know, not to say that the other fishermen won't, but he'll make sure they're like, you know, going to last a few days in the walk-in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Well, you can, I mean, he definitely knows their timeline, you yeah, know, it's totally. not, you know. And shedders are <laughs> so fragile, you know, so uh, the lobster shedders. So they're, um, so yeah, it's amazing. So yeah, those fishermen, I like this afternoon, I got Luke and Lucas bringing me lobsters for prep day tomorrow so this with this schedule uh for this season we are closed monday tuesday and wednesday's our prep day so i have i always have the menu in my head almost like the second night of service on friday nights i'm like mm -hmm. thinking of what i'm doing the next week and um yeah. which is so fun um so wednesdays are a prep day for us so we'll make stocks and we'll process lobster and you know get ready for lunch service the next day dinner serviced and um it's really awesome when everyone has the same two days off because then you're not working on the line or waiting a table with someone who's just tired and everybody's in it together in, in it together the morale and on prep days we all meet i meet with the kitchen i meet with the front of house i meet with the managers and just talk over you know what we're in store for this week and um man i just wish the season was a little longer joe you know it is going yeah. through september and i'm saying that and i'm like geez i'm tired but it really i mean <laughs> it's such a short season in maine that yeah. and, it, well, and this year has obviously been a exception in a lot of ways yeah. in a wonky season obviously and, yeah totally um and with the accommodations we are i mean we're we're pretty busy with that this year which is 
which is wonderful. Um, it was a little scary when with in June when until the restrictions were lifted a little. So, yeah, I mean, I would love to come to Aragosta in December, like or no, January. Like, I mean, that would be yeah. amazing. Like that view and you I know. know it's um. I, well, the I did put heat tape in the in the line. So, uh, but those suites, the suites off it, because uh, the water lines for the property they're above ground for the mm -hmm. unless for the restaurant like itself. But um, yeah. So my cabins will go to like November first ish, unless it's a warm season. Uh, we're just gonna kind of wait. Last year I was processing pigs. Uh, we were butchering in the kitchen in uh, November fifteenth. And it was like that week and the pipes froze for a day, but yeah. then, they, then they thawed out. And now I know where the, if they freeze, where I need to be putting the salamander, Got the, yeah. the, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, I'm, yeah. um, but it's dreamy. I mean, I want you to come up in October. Well, yeah. it's like, and so I think, I think we've actually already um, arranged that. I think we've arranged for that already. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to make that happen. Actually, uh, the interesting thing was the last, last weekend when I was at Aragosta, uh, I made the mistake of leaving the reservation. I should have just stayed there the whole weekend, but I was like, ah, I got like a little bit squirrely on one of the nights, and uh, I made the ill-advised uh, executive decision to go eat at a, a restaurant where I would essentially be eating outside in a field uh, on a picnic table. And this was totally my fault because I hate eating outside. Uh, I <laughs> guess it's, it's not all like, you know, eating Daragosta on the beautiful deck. You know, even even in that case, I would generally come inside when it's time to eat. I'm just not an alfresco dining kind of guy. But right. I go to this one place, and I'm just like, uh, people seem happy. I get seated. I'm like, this, I just have this feeling. I'm like, all right, this is going to be, I'm by myself at this, like, eight-person picnic table, um, just trying to, like, <laughs> pound rosé, waiting for my food to come. I'm just swatting at flies the whole time. So you just see this one person at a table just flailing his arms around, Constantly hitting himself in the head, hitting the table. Um, I think I killed like seven flies. I was just being assaulted. Uh, and I remember like I got the food and I pretty much took like two bites and I was like, <laughs> got in the car. I'm like, yeah, we're not doing that again. No, thank you. Uh, but no need, no need to leave the compound. No, I wouldn't. I don't want to leave. You know, <laughs> you take such good care of me. I don't. I don't think I want to leave. Why would I leave? That was dumb. Except to go to the liquor store to get the Rumbleman's nips. But you know. <laughs> that was a necessity. Uh, that was something that I had to do. Uh, well, I want to thank you again, Devin, for uh, for joining us on this episode. You're welcome, Joe. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure. Can't wait to see you, Joe. Yeah, what are we going to do next time? What are we doing? I feel like we got to go out on the water. Don't you want to go see that scallop farm? It's so fun out there. If you twist my arm and I will go to the scallop farm. <laughs> Let's do it. We, I mean, we literally, they'll shuck us the scallop and it's, it's so, it's like right at, I mean, it's still like almost pumping in your mouth. It's yeah. so yummy. That is the, I've done, I've eaten them that way once in uh, Grand Manan in, in Canada. And it is, that is the way to eat scallops. If you have the opportunity to eat them right out of the shell, out of the water, they are just like butter. Seriously. Well, awesome. Well, thanks, Joe. I hope you stay cool down there in Portland. Absolutely. And this has been the Food Coma Podcast. And I'm Joe Riccio.